एक मिनट रुक जाओ रेडी होने दो चलो ये कर लेते हैं अक्षय हाई दिस इज सौरभ एंड यू आर लिस्निंग टू द फाउंडर थीसिस पॉडकास्ट वी मीट सम ऑफ द मोस्ट सेलिब्रेटेड सार्ट ऑफ फाउंडर्स इन द कंट्री एंड वी वॉन्ट टू लर्न हाउ टू बिल्ड यूनिकॉर्न I was baffled so I went for a couple of meetings and people were offering me you know we will pay you 2 million dollars we'll invest 2 million dollars in 25% of the company I was like shocked I was doing the math and in my head and at two of some dollar charges were there so I said yeah it's a 8 crore for a company that has just done 18 lakhs and I was shocked but I couldn't believe it you know and it sounded too good to be true and I asked him but you know 8 crores what should we do with the money if I have seen further it is by standing on the shoulders of giants These words by Isaac Newton still ring true and it's our great privilege to present to you one of the giants of the startup world in India on whose shoulders so many of today's most celebrated founders have stood. He is the one who was a pioneer in creating an online business that he took to IPO. His company is now among the most active investors in the startup world. Backing unicorns like Policy Bazaar and Zomato, I'm sure by now you have already guessed who Akshaydat is talking to. It's none other than Sanjeev Bhuchandani, founder of InfoEdge and the man who inspired millions. Here's their insightful conversation about Sanjeev's journey. Hi, I'm Sanjeev Bikchandani. I'm the co-founder of Nokri.com. So, Sanjeev, uh, tell me about your childhood. Uh, where did you grow up? What was your family like? I spent. I'm 57. I've spent most of my life in Delhi. Uh, I think, barring four years, two years in Bombay in my first job, and two years at Ahmedabad for business school, I spent 53 years in Delhi. So, I was born in Delhi. Um, my father was a government servant, so we lived in government colonies, and that's where I, I grew up. That's where I spent the first uh, uh, 20 odd years of my life. Uh, Which uh, part of Delhi? So my father was a doctor in the government. So the earliest memory I have is a couple of houses in the MP flats in South Avenue. So my father was in charge of the dispensary in South Avenue, the MP's dispensary, and then we shifted to uh, Chanakipuri, uh, Satyamarg, the D1 flats. And then uh, my parents went abroad, and when they came back, we moved to Kedwaynagar, from where my father retired, and we moved to our own house in Swastvihar in East Delhi. Mm-hmm. Where did you go abroad, and how old were you? Like, do you have? So I did not go abroad. My parents went abroad i, I was stay, staying in delhi and so you know uh, wo entrepreneurship ka keeda was that there in childhood also like well when i was 12 or 13 i sort of uh, figured it maybe at some point in time it will be a good idea uh, you know to uh, be independent and run your own company and things so for that time independence was a big thing for me uh, and uh, uh, you know uh, of course you know when you're 12 you you have a new dream every 6 months but this one kept coming back so by the time i had finished school i was in class 11 or 12 i was reasonably clear that this is a long term goal sometime i will do it uh, how when where i did not know but you kabhi kar you have like a role model that you admired and like you know like a tata bidla kind of a role model because of which you wanted to do business or like how did that 
business come into your mind? I, I know I don't actually recall how it came in. No, I did not have a role model. I've never had a single role model in my life. Uh, you know, you learn different things from different people. So I've tried to learn as much as possible from various different people. But I've had the good fortune of having worked with many, many people who are superbly talented and smart. And therefore, I learned a lot from all my colleagues and my peers and my seniors. Okay. But yeah, you were in Columbus, right? Uh, so I was in Columbus School in Delhi for 12 years. And most kids in Columbus come from service class families where like a job would be their ambition eventually? Well, a significant percentage come from uh, service class families. Uh, and, you know, I'm, like me, my father was in the government. My mother's a homemaker. Uh, but there were some who were families were from business family as well. I mean, you know, you, in any school in Delhi, you'll find a certain percentage of business families. Uh, but yeah, it was largely a hardworking middle class uh, uh, family uh, boys school. Hmm. Okay. And then you joined Stephens. Uh, I joined St. Stephens College uh, after class 12. Um, I had the good fortune of uh, getting admission into the economics program there and I joined. So was that like a transformative experience going to DU and especially from a boys college to a co-ed kind well, of... Well, uh, so actually, you see, St. Columbus is the kind of school in those days where if you're a good boy, you do science. And then all good boys did either in engineering or medicine. Uh, you know, and uh, engineering in those days, you know, beyond the IITs, at least in St. Columbus, you did not think. So I did science. My father's a doctor. My brother got to IIT Kanpur, uh, and then I'm Ahmedabad. And uh, I uh, prepared hard, and as luck would have it, I got in. Uh, you know, uh, in, in, into IIT. Now, in my year, in my year, uh, when I was finishing, when I was finishing school, uh, you know, there was a three-year window where you could write the IIT entrance uh, after class 11 or after class 12, because the country was just shifting from class 11 to class 12 and the different states were shifting at different times over a three-year period. So the IIT, uh, the IIT that said you can even join after class 11, it's fine. You don't have to complete, uh, you don't need, we don't need a school passing certificate. So, you know, obviously, you know, being competitive Indians and, you know, we, we everyone would, you know, want to go after class 11 and save a year. So I wrote it after class 11 and I got in after class 11. And, uh, you know, when I went for the medical counseling, I learned that I was partially colorblind. Now, so the people there said, you know, you can join um, and it's fine. Um, but some careers and some courses may be close to you, but uh, it's fine. You can join. Right? And it'll go down in your permanent medical record, uh, you know, that you're partially colorblind. And that is the first time sort of, you know, I sat and thought because, you know, uh, I figured it was a risk because, you know, if for some reason I have to leave IID after one or two years, uh, I won't even be a high school pass because I've only passed class 11. So I thought long and hard about it. And uh, mine was the last year when you could write it after class 11. Uh, IIT was a five-year course then. And the next year, Year, only class 12 pass could write it and it was becoming a four-year course so i figured that look uh, my junior batch can't write it all the good guys in my batch have already gotten and will go after class 11 right it's becoming a four-year course so i won't lose a year right so why don't i continue in school finish class 12 and write the exam again which is what i did right i i, I wrote the exam again uh, but you know in that one year i sat thought long and hard because you know with this color blindness thing you know for the first time i began to question you know why do i want to be an engineer and I realized that, you know, I didn't really want to be an engineer. I just wanted to be an IITian. You know, I was joining a club. I wasn't, you know, I could pass an exam. I knew physics, chemistry, maths, you know, I could study hard. Uh, but, you know, if you asked me, engineering ki nokri kya hai, kya kam karunga, exactly, would I have passion for that? You know, since I was 17 or 18, I didn't have passion for anything, right? Uh, you know, we were all, uh, most of us, reasonably clueless, drifting along, falling the herd, uh, and trying to study hard and make something of our lives. And I realized that I, I want to be an IITian. 
Indian. I don't I don't want to be an engineer. After class 12, after class 12, I uh, got into ID a second time and I got St. Stephen's Economics and uh, I said, look, this is a three-year program. It's a four-year program. Why should I study something I'm not passionate about for four years when I can study something I'm not passionate about for three years? I had no clue of economics. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, I had done science and biology. I had just got the marks and I was decent in an interview and I got through. And I weighed the two options and I chose to go to St. Stephen's Economics. Uh, and yes, it was a growing up experience. It was a transformative experience. Uh, I'm afraid I didn't study very hard, but I made a lot of good friends and made a lot of good memories. It was a coming of age experience. But I did find I did find parts of economics very, very interesting. You know, microeconomics, macroeconomics, I found very interesting. Uh, were you like the shy kind of uh, student or the outgoing student who would participate in debates and all that no i would not do debates and execution i had stage fright i would uh, i used to play sports uh, so i played hockey for college um, i got one got college colors in hockey uh, i was not i mean with, with with my close friends i would be outgoing extroverted but uh, outside my close friends i was a reasonably sort of uh, quiet sort of person i would observe and listen more than speak when i was people i didn't know so after uh, three years at stephens what did you decide to do so what had happened was my brother, uh, you know, who had been a brilliant student and, you know, he he was in the same school as me, St. Columbus, seven years senior to me, and he had always come first in class, right? And in my life, in my entire academic career, I have never come first in class, okay? Uh, I've always managed and I used to, in the big exams, I would score enough to achieve my goal and objective. But no, nobody would call me a outstanding academic performer or a brilliant student. I was good enough to get to where I wanted to go, right? Uh, and uh, so my, my brother went to IIT Kanpur. Then he went to I'm Ahmedabad, right? And when he finished from there, he worked for a year. And then he said, I don't like this. I don't like the corporate sector. I want to do a PhD. And he went and did a PhD in the US. So in 1981, I had just joined college. And uh, my brother, and there were three or four of his batchmates from I'm Ahmedabad. They had all chucked up their jobs and they were all going to the US for doing their PhDs. So there, there was a lunch at, 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 my, at our house. And, you know, his friends from I'm Ahmedabad had come from out of town for the visa interviews. And so I asked all four of them, including my brother, why are you guys doing this? You know, why are you chucking up a great corporate career uh, to, uh, you know, after doing an MBA from IIM Ahmedabad to go and do a PhD? And they said, we made a mistake. We should not have done an MBA. We should have worked for two, three years after engineering in the corporate sector to figure out if this is what we want to do and only then done an MBA. Uh, and if we didn't want life in the corporate sector, we could have gone for a PhD maybe two years ago after working one year straight after engineering. Uh, and in any case, they said that if you want to do an MBA and I wanted to do an MBA from the beginning, uh, our suggestion is that you work for two or three years, okay, and then do an MBA because you will gain a lot more from your program. Because you know, for us, it's an extension of college. We went straight from IIT to Ahmedabad and without working, and we could not really correlate what we were being taught with real life situations because we had not experienced that. And and they said the best universities in the US insist on two or three years work experience, and there's a reason for that that you you get more from your MBA if you work before. So that stuck with me. So when I was in my third year in college, and also what had happened was that. In college, there was somebody senior to me, uh, one year senior, who actually managed to get a scholarship to do an MBA from the US, from Duke University. Now, that was an eye-opener because typically people in those days at least got scholarships only to do masters and PhDs. So it occurred to me that an MBA scholarship is possible
people in the US. Uh, so I put two and two together, my brother's friend's advice and uh, this is what had happened. Uh, and I said, why don't I work for two years and then apply overseas for an MBA and with some luck I'll get a scholarship. And I got a job straight after college uh, at Lintas in advertising. Uh, coincidentally, I they want to see in those days as after a BA, you couldn't really get jobs. Okay. They're, you know, it's, it's not like today, right? Uh, and so I had also written the, the chat and uh, with the, I had got an offer from IM Calcutta and I had got a job at Lintas. I decided to work for, for two years and apply overseas, which I did. I got admissions, but no scholarship, right? So I didn't go. What was your role at Lintas? I was in, a, in account servicing. I was in client servicing, account, you know, account management. Uh, and I was a trainee, you know, I was there for, uh, you know, three years. Uh, so for the, for, the, for the first two years, I was a trainee. And uh, last year, I was a junior account executive. The job is the same. It's just your title changes, your salary changes. But, but did it teach you anything much? It, taught, like, me, it taught me a whole lot. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think just as, you know, a child uh, learns the maximum in the first three or four years and absorbs the most, I think in the first three or four years of your career, uh, you learn the most and your work ethic is set. So it's really important, I think, that your first job is in the right place where you learn the most and you learn, and you learn from good people and it's a good environment because that will more or less set your professional standards, your work ethic, uh, you know, your integrity at the workplace. Um, and I was really fortunate to have got that three years in Lintas. I mean, there were some really super smart people I was working with and I got some good opportunities, some good clients, both in the side and the agent side there were some really good people so so that taught me a lot you know whether it was you know so first of all i worked harder in those three years than i've ever worked in my life you know in those three years i didn't take a single day's leave i worked all my saturdays it was a five-day week but i worked all my saturdays i worked all holidays wow okay i worked half the half my sundays you see account servicing is a very very operational intensive job it's a coordination job and there's always something some fire fighting going on always right and so you know when you're thrown in the deep end and you just got to make it happen. So in terms of, first of all, working hard, I learned the value of working hard over there, really hard. Long, you know, long hours from you know, 9 a.m. till maybe 10, 11 p.m., uh, six days, six days a week, uh, or three years in a row. Half your Sunday is also gone. Right? Uh, I was a, a shy, introverted person, not uh, actually great at talking to people and persuading them and communicating to them, unless I already knew them. With my friends, I was okay, but outside my circle of friends, I was not. Now, the, the role of an account servicing person is essentially that of coordination. And as a junior executive in account servicing or a trainee in account servicing, you, know, you are at the bottom of the totem pole. You are at the bottom of the food chain. There's no, you, you are responsible, you are you are accountable for outcomes to everybody, to your boss, your boss's boss, to the client, right? Uh, nobody's reporting to you and your job is to coordinate and get the work done out of 10, 15, 20 other departments, you know, whether it is copywriting, art direction, uh, art production, film production, uh, you know, script writing, translation, media planning, media operations, uh, you know, uh, you, you, I mean, there are 10, 15 departments you work with. And in all those departments, you know, there were people who were older than me, senior to me, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, who, if they missed my deadline, they would not be pulled up and they're not reporting to me. I'm, the, I'm, I'm younger than by seven, eight, 10 years anyway. Mm-hmm. 21, okay. Right. So, so basically you've got to get work out and get work done in this, in such situations. So you learn, I mean, you know, people have to want to work with you. People have to want to work for you and people want to stretch for you. Say, I'll sit late to meet the deadline. I'll come on Saturday to meet the deadline. I'll work on Sunday to meet the deadline, you know, and uh, right. And so you learned like persuasion and saying, yeah, please. Dude, I learned 
don't beg, cajole, plead. You know, you know, just do it by dint of hard work, put in more hours, uh, and somehow. And I think, I think people skills, I learned there. So all my rough edges. That look, I had an ID admission. I went to Stephen Sir Economics. I had an IM admission. You know, I'm super smart. You made the bang with her. All that was uh, knocked off within six months. Right when I had to go at three in the morning to a printing press on my two wheeler in the middle of winter. You know, really bitterly cold. Pick up some positives for printing. They had to go to Bombay the same day. From there, I went to the airport, and I was standing outside the airport, cajoling passengers to please carry this packet for me. In those days, there was no security problems, right? And finally, I know I met one passenger. My mobile phone didn't work today. I met one passenger. So I'll carry them for you. I said, my guy will come and meet you at the airport, and uh, he will be carrying a placard. And so, in case he misses you, what is your home office phone number where you will be, uh, so he can call you on the landline? Then rushing to office to phone up Bombay. The guy waiting there saying, now go to the airport. This is the gentleman. This is what is coming. Uh, he's coming on this flight. Stand on the placard and pick up the positive and then deliver it to the printer there. You know, so stuff, it's highly, highly operational. There's stuff like that you do. And you know, you know, or you got a request for a client, a very important client in Bombay from the head office in Bombay. Say, you know, so the big game would be which is going to be the first advertisement in the ad capsule on Chitrahar or Sunday feature film. For the first advertisement, we'll get the most uh, views because by the second ad, people go about doing their business and they come back when the when the ads are over. That's not very particular. So you know, then you go and sit late at night, talk to the guy, do Russian boss. Please put our ad, please put our ad first. I mean, of course, <laughs> they have their own thing, right? But you got to try. So you know, all the all those things, you know, the highly highly operational things, the the stuff that uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm, you know, you do manual labor also. I remember we had a presentation for a client in a building in Connaught Place on the tenth floor. Now. To set up the presentation, you have to take projectors and artworks and काफी सामान लेना था उनके conference room में। तो जब हम पहुँचे, तो पांच मिनट बचे थे, दस मिनट बचे थे। There was a massive long line for the lift. There was no way I was going to make it up next half hour because lunch had just got over. I should have come two hours earlier, right? But we didn't because we were meeting deadlines. Just about made it. <laughs> so I was walking up ten floors carrying all this stuff, okay, to arrive there and uh, still be on time. So you, you know, I thought this thing of doing whatever it takes, never mind how menial the work is, you know, how you know. How seemingly small it is. I think that work ethic was set there. I think you must have also learned about how to build a culture of performance. It sounds like Lintas had a great. Yes, it did. It did. And but but so people skills, uh, stretching, working hard, somehow getting it done, doing what it takes. Uh, the attitude, the work ethic, all that was set there. Also, I had the exposure, uh, great exposure to strategy, communication and marketing strategy. So I had seniors there who was really smart at this, and I would just sit and listen and learn and. and contribute i began to contribute also so you uh, finished two years there got a no, actually no no actually i applied abroad after two years i didn't get a scholarship i didn't go so i spent a third year there so i wrote the cat again after three years and this time i got into you know ima and went there but why did you want to do an mba was it again for the tag like you thought about iit that you wanted a tag no i thought i i don't know no, no. i this one i was pretty clear we useful course i learn useful stuff it will help me when i become an entrepreneur i i i i went for learning was the one in उस जमाने में यू नो द वर्ड नेटवर्किंग नॉट बीन इन्वेंटेड सो एंड मुझे प्लेसमेंट आई वाज वेरी कीन ऑन आई विल टेक एनी जॉब आई गेट बट मैं एक दो साल बाद आई विल क्विट एंड डू माय ओन कंपनी बहुत मैंने ये सोचा था सो हाउ वर दोस टू इयर्स एट आई एम अहमदाबाद लाइक आई थिंक वेरी गुड आई थिंक सुपर ब्लरिंग यू नो सो द थिंग अबाउट अगेन यू गॉट टू वर्क रियली हार्ड इन आईएमए यू नो इट्स अ प्रेशर कुकर यू नो एटमॉस्फेयर एनवायरनमेंट बट आफ्टर 3 इयर्स इन लिंटस आई डिड नॉट फील एनी प्रेशर बिकॉज़ आई हैड वर्क मच हार्डर एट लिंटस ओके सो 
uh, it was very good, uh, very good, useful learning. And uh, you know, and uh, so you see, the MBA, it is said and it is true that you don't use ninety percent of what you learn there. Probably you don't know which ninety percent when you're <laughs> when you're there. Okay. Okay. So you learn a you learn you learn a thousand things. You will lose you will use maybe a hundred, but those hundred are very useful. And should you want to use hundred first, at least you know where to find it because you've been taught it all. And uh, did you also have a campus romance? Like you met your future wife on campus? Did it like blossom while you were studying? Yeah, we met there. We met there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So d- did you get married as soon as you passed out, or uh, like maybe a year later? Okay. Okay. So from campus, then uh, what did you take up? So I uh, so campus me. In those days, companies would come to IMs to only hire management trainees, right? So if you had work experience, you know, you had to write it off by and large. Almost nobody would give credit for your past work experience, even if it was relevant. And I had worked three years in advertising. I said, this is very relevant for brand management and companies, in, in SMCG companies. I could have gone back to advertising, but I didn't want to. I wanted to be in SMCG consumer marketing. And I went there. Uh, I, I, you know, and uh, I discovered that I would have to join as a trainee because nobody was coming here and hiring laterally. So, Campus placement rules were that if a, there was a particular company that was not coming to campus, you could apply directly. If it was coming to campus, you could not approach them. So I went through a list of companies that were coming and I saw that HMM, which is now called GlaxoSmithKline, but then it was called HMM, was not coming to campus. What were the products they were making at that time? Horlicks, Boost, Brill Cream, Eno, Marmite, right? Um, uh, so I wrote to them saying, look, I'm very keen. And I also wanted to go back to Delhi after two years in Bombay. Because I said, I'll go home. I'll be able to save some money. When I quit after two years, I'll be able to uh, start my, uh, you know, start a company with the savings. Right? And if I'm staying at home with my parents, uh, my cost will be lower. So when I do my own startup, you know, I, I, I can survive without earning money. So so this is a Delhi-based company. So I, and it's FMCG, MNC, good brands. It was ideal. Uh, they called me for an interview. I came to Delhi for the interview. While I took a weekend off, I took, I took a day off and came. This was not a during your second year? My second year and third term. Okay. Hmm. And I got the offer and I came back and I went back and I dropped out of placement. And uh, so I worked for about a year and a half, maybe almost two years at HMM after I am. And what was your role? Then? And I was a product executive. So I was in brand management. I was product executive reporting to the product manager, you know, who was reporting to marketing manager, who was reporting to marketing manager. But as luck would have it, within six months, the product manager left and the vacancy wasn't filled for a year. So de facto, I was doing his job also. And that was good exposure again. So, so that, is, that is a useful experience too. Hmm. So uh, why did you quit from there then, from HMM? So look, I had gone. So in advertising, right, you always, I was servicing a really good clients. Now you always, in, 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 in you know, I, I used to look up to my clients and say, these are smart guys. It's the job I'd like to do. And therefore, I wanted to be on the client side after IMA. I did not want to be in the ad agency. But having migrated to client side, I did not find it particularly enthusing. You know, uh, so in the late, in the 80s, this is pre-liberalization, you know, uh, MNCs weren't that dynamic as they are today. Large companies are not dynamic. You know, if bari product succeed, then you sort of, you're happy with 10-12% growth year on year. You know that you can't be dislodged. You build a brand. You've got distribution in place. Uh, customers are buying your product. Competition isn't very high. You know, so it's a more, you know, a maintenance kind of job. And I didn't feel very enthused, you know, doing that. So a year and a half later, I, I quit and said I'll do my own thing. So uh, the, uh, tell me about the day you quit. Were you clear on that day that this is what I want to do or was it just that? First of all, first of all, I did not. I did not. I, I was very nervous. I was scared. I would go for six months. I'd go to office every day saying, I'll quit today. Okay. But I 
could not muster up the courage to actually quit. I'm from middle class family. My father and the salary all his life. I wanted a salary check and I was very, very nervous. But finally, one evening, I went to the marketing manager's house. Okay. I couldn't do it in an office. I went to his house and, uh, uh, you know, so he and his wife had just had a baby. So I took along a bunch of roses to see the baby and uh, his wife. And while I was there, you know, we sat in the drawing room for half an hour and I said, look, I want to quit. And so he said, okay, fine. Where are you going? I said, no, I'm going to do my own thing. So then you have a slightly open schedule. You don't have to go on a certain date. I said, no. He says, give me three months. Let me figure out how to, who can hand over to and how to, who will replace you. So I gave time. And I went beyond the notice period in the Pondera uh, and we agreed on it. And uh, I didn't have a job joining date. And so I quit. But did you have an idea on what you want to do? Yeah, yeah we had, I had an idea. So, uh, so basically when I was, uh, when I went back to campus after getting my job at HMM and I dropped out of placement, I'd gone to the placement chair who's a professor. I said, sir, I'm dropping out of placement. I have got a job. He says, which job? I hope you haven't broken any rules. I said, no, I've got a job at HMM. He said, oh, excellent. Then he said, look, I need help. Uh, and he sort of commandeered me and, I, and made me volunteer to help him during placement. Now, there were three, four of us who were not taking placement. The others were basically writing a civil service exam and therefore they had deferred the placement for it by a year. And they were taking a year off to prepare for the exam. So he told us, your job is to receive the HR managers, the recruitment managers, the companies at the gate of the campus, escort them to the interview rooms, make sure tea, coffee, biscuits are served, make sure that candidates are lining up in order. You'll have the list of people who been shortlisted for interviews. Make sure that people go into the interview, come out of the interview, you know, things happen. And at lunchtime, you take them for lunch, sit to them, have lunch, bring them back, again, tea, coffee, biscuit afternoon. And at five o'clock when they end, you take them to placement office. So the formalities that which is the offers they've made, not made, all that can be tabulated. And then at 5.30, they will leave campus, you know, escort them to the gate and say bye-bye, take hands. So we were basically a concierge, right? So we were concierge, or the concierge. Now, what this gave us was a ringside view of the interviews, the placement process, you know, uh, and things like that. Now, there were 10 interview rooms all next to each other in dorm two, dorm number two, right? Uh, and there was a foyer outside, those 10 rooms, where all the candidates would, all the applicants who'd been shortlisted would get, come, come at the, you know, maybe half an hour before the interview and we'd mill around and then you'd say, okay, you go here, you go here, you know, you direct the traffic. And then you'd go inside the room and say, can I help you? Anything you need? Pani chahiye? You know, whatever. Now, what had happened was that, so day one of placement, there were four companies that came. So day one slot was a prize slot. Companies would compete for it. And students would vote on the most preferred companies. And depending on the vote, the companies would be decided. Okay, so day one companies are Citibank, Bank of America, Hindustan Lever, and Procter & Gamble. So Hindustan Lever had come with four people to interview. Citibank had come with eight. So basically, Citibank was running four interview panels and Lever was running two. Now, the Lever head of HR who was there, and he was an alumnus of IMA, and essentially all companies sent alumni for interviews. Okay. Uh, so they were all alumni in those 10 rooms. The Lever guys got worried that, listen, Citibank will interview twice as fast as us. They will make people job offers. People will accept them. And if you accept a job offer, you're out of placement. And they won't even come for our final interviews. So we lose talent. So what the Lever guys began to do is if they liked a person in the first interview itself, no second round, within 15-20 minutes, they would pull out, they began to pull out a profile letter. Here's a job offer. Write accepted come with me to placement office and drop out of placement and don't go for any city bank interviews. Okay. Okay, now, otherwise, I'm tearing up this letter. Now, that is completely against placement rules because placement rules were that you could get up to two offers and if you got an offer, you had 48 hours to say yes or no. If you said yes to an offer, you're out of placement. Uh, if you said no, you could still get a second, it still go for a second job. But if you get two offers, you're out of placement. 
Okay, so this was a huge issue because you know you don't want to defy the head of HR of Hindustan, of Hindustan Lever. You are going to join in the management training. Uh, what if you don't get Citibank? Of course, if Lever was always your first choice, you'd be happily you'd be happy to sign. Right. So some people signed happily. Some people signed under duress. Some people ran away and said, "I'm going to the toilet and didn't come back," <laughs> okay. uh, and uh, because they wanted to go for the other interviews, it was not their first choice. Okay. So the Citibank guys found out about it. You know, because somebody went and told them, "I can't come for your interview. I've got this." You know. So there was they they. they barge into the lever room they started screaming and shouting and you know they almost came to blows and I was witnessing all this right and that's when this whole you know Ustemp, that phrase had not been coined war for talent but I saw it in real life in 1989 in, in, in March 1989 right and from there I got our first product idea saying that look companies compete like this for talent uh, on IM campuses then if somebody were to do a salary survey of what companies are paying fresh MBAs on IM campuses that report would sell because people will want to fine tune their job offers, their salary offers, this is what competition is offering or offered last year and say, okay, we'll take it up 20%, 15%, 10%, Joby here, which is what our first product was. So a friend and I started this company in 50-50 partnership, uh, InfoEdge, same name. And uh, our first product was a salary survey of what companies are paying fresh MBAs on campus. But this sounds like a somewhat of a niche product. Now, how many companies would want to benchmark against IM salaries? All the ones who go to IM's recruitment. So, you know, there will be a pool of 300-400 companies because there are IM, right? Uh, some companies don't go to IM but go to Engineering colleges may still find it useful to, you know, we'll pay 20% less for a first degree. And, you know, I mean, there was, there was a market. And if, and we felt that if you priced it at, say, three and a half, you did a report once and you priced it at three and a half thousand rupees. You know, we were able, so what we did was, uh, through our own efforts, we got the data. Uh, then we went to the JNU library and appointment ads from back issues of Times of India, Economic Times, Business India, we noted down the addresses and designations of from all of, of, of HR managers from all the uh, appointment ads. We built a database of 800. Right? Uh, in those days, computers were really expensive. It cost 1.4 lakh rupees for a PC XT, you know, uh, you know, 20 MB hard disk, 640 KB RAM, mono monitor, you know, 500 floppy drive. Right? 1,40,000 rupees was about four times the annual salary of a fresh graduate of IMA. Okay? So clearly, we could not afford a computer. So in those days, a computer had one computer and then 20 people would share it. It would be in a separate room covered in a plastic dust jacket. That was the only room that would be air-conditioned. Right. Uh, so I went to a fr- I, I, I spoke to a friend who had an interiors company and he had one computer. The, the company had one computer. I said, you know, I really want to, may I, may, I, may I take some computer time from you? He said, yeah, come at 10 p.m. and leave by 4 a.m. And he gave me a set of duplicate keys to his office. It was a DDA flat in Sheikh Sarai phase one. So we used to sneak in there at 10 p.m. and work till 3 a.m. And we hammer out the report. We, 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 we mail merged and sent out letters to 800 uh, companies. Uh, you know, and we said, this is a report. These are the companies, 135 companies, priced at 3,500 rupees. Send the check in. We didn't have an office, right? Uh, send the check or draft in advance and we'll ship you the report. On the report, we had a copy of IT, master copy. And within three weeks, we had 23 checks and drafts. We had 80,500 rupees. And we said, wow, this product has succeeded because it was a 94, 95% margin product. A report, photocopy, bind, courier, and money in advance. And then we repeat mail. And so we did reasonably well. Now, this is okay. So, so that was our first product. No, and that taught me a huge lesson that look, successful businesses are built on deep customer insights. Deep customer insights about what? About unsolved problems of the customer, right? The experience during placement and IMA, and I saw City Bank Lever fighting, gave me an insight that I was damn sure, right? And when you 
solve an unsolved problem you know you hit a hot button because customers will then buy without you having to sell ek chitthi you know 70000 rupees profit 2 years of my annual salary okay so what i always tell entrepreneurs today is or question i always ask before we invest is how do you get the idea and the answer tells me a lot so when i met dipinder goel zomato for the first time i asked him dipinder ye idea kahan se aaya and he said i used to work in bain consulting i had joined there one year after i finished iid and bain consulting was often gurgaon people by mostly by young men who would not bring food from home but work long hours therefore they would have lunch and dinner in the office office had a cafeteria that did not serve food but you could bring your own food and eat and he said that to make life easy the admin team had collated some the delivery menus of some 80 restaurants that would deliver to their location and put them in a file folder and dipinder said you know ek baje line lagati thi to the file folder you know meko aadha tha you know to wait i was hungry i had to work to do you know uske baad order karo you know huge thing this so one saturday i came in and i scanned all those menu cards and uploaded them on my personal page on the office intranet so within two days the it infra guy came to me and said what have you done why is all the internal traffic going to your page <laughs> yeah. and he said that's when i got the customer insight i was solving a problem for myself it turned out that ye sabki problem thi and that's when i realized that look aggregation of menu cards has got value if you aggregate menu cards of all restaurants in delhi ncr and put them up on a website along with some details of the restaurant and some pictures traffic aaya right and that's what he did on weekends he took permission from his country manager say i want to work on a personal project he said sure go ahead and he went and built up the first version of uh... art so 800 restaurant ke menu cards dekhe okay uh, they launched a site called foodie bay foodie bay was later changed its name to zomato so uh, how much uh, revenue did you do in the first year through this uh, salary survey and was that uh... a lack of something okay uh, how did that sustain you like uh, you know what was the we were taking a salary we didn't have an office we didn't have employees hamara kharcha hamara kharcha hamara kharcha 2500 rupees tha with the money that we made we did two things uh, we you see uh, hindustan times mein sunday ko i don't know if still there but uh, classifieds mein for sale hota tha classifieds usme you know this 89 so there you don't you know, this is pre liberalization you know you don't get great foreign products you won't get it right so there's with diplomat leaving sales right oh, diplomat ja raha hai wapas to sab kuch bech ke ja raha hai you know his furniture his this is that whatever right so we used to go through the for sale ads every sunday so one sunday there was a diplomat leaving advertisement of friends calling me uska ghar tha aur wo they used to have these auctioneers who would manage the sale right the diplomat would not himself selling i mean there'll be somebody is doing it for him they had to take a commission right uh, so we decided you know the sale is ending at 5 pm It's 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. or 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Let us put that at 4:30. जो बच्चा को जो सामान है ना, we can negotiate it down because uh, you know we have to sell. So we went there and we bought some furniture. Hmm. I went to my father and I said, "Can I use the seven quarter, which is lying khali?" He said, "Sure." So वहाँ पे हमने फर्निचर डाल दिया seven quarter में. Then the next Sunday we saw another ad. Says school teacher leaving for Nauru. Computer teacher selling selling old computer, twenty thousand rupees. So we went there. वो green park में था and it was a really beat up ramshackle old computer, but there was a computer. There was a printer and there was a CVD. सब कुछ उसने हमें दे दिया चौबीस हजार में. But he was in a hurry to leave also. तो अब हमारे पास फर्नीचर था, ऑफिस था और कंप्यूटर भी था, प्रिंटर भी था. Now we would didn't have to do this, you know, 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. number, right? The next thing there was an ad in the papers saying the WHO is auctioning its old furniture and computers. Okay, again it was a professional auctioner. So I went there and for nine thousand rupees I bought a twin floppy drive laptop with no hard disk, mono monitor. Now we had two computers. हम दो लोग थे, so it was fine, right? So थोड़ा इंफ्रास्ट्रक्चर हो गया and then we launched a second product. So Kapil Verma, who was my partner, uh, his uncle was a very senior and eminent intellectual property attorney in India. So Kapil in his college days had done a summer internship at his uncle's office. 
So intellectual property means you know trademark, patents, uh, you know design, copyright. Hmm, right, right? right. So a trademark means a brand, a logo, something that distinguishes your product from that of another manufacturer or seller. Right. And trademarks in India are governed by the Trade Trade and Merchandise Marks Act. Right. Uh, a government act under which trademarks are governed. There's a body called the Trademark Registry which administers this act. So the Trademarks Act says that if you register your trademark, your brand name with the Trademark Registry for a particular product. Category, then you have the exclusive right to use that name for that product within the territory of India. So if Hindustan Lever has registered a trademark surf, which it has registered, then for detergents, then only Hindustan Lever is allowed to sell using that to uh-huh. sell surf or sell, sell detergent in the brand name surf. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, to protect your goodwill, you know, every company would want to register its trademark. Mm-hmm. The only problem was that the trademark registry would take five years from date of application, roughly. To say yes or no, are you registered or not registered? Now, one of the big reasons for denying registration was there's an identical or similar trademark applied for registered before you. First come, first served. This guy's adding the queue, or he's already registered. Sorry, you can't get this. Now, companies don't want to wait five years before launching a new brand. You know, they start thinking now, they launch in two years, three years. Agar apne launch kar diya, and after you launch, two, three baad, the trademark says, sorry, your trademark is not registered. Change your name. Yeah, and you already invested. But you already spent money on marketing. Right, right. Okay, I mean, there's crores of rupees down the drain. Now, under the rules of the Trademarks Act, the trademark registry is supposed to maintain a record of all registered and pending trademarks open for public inspection. And it was doing it in, this, in the trademark uh, office, registry office in Bombay in Fort. Then the library, you would inspect all the registered and pending trademarks. Right. So what companies would do is they would hire lawyers to go and search that record and then give a report on likelihood of this being approved. So if they get already, change your name before you launch. But there's no Go ahead. Now, the way things would work is that, look, big companies hire big lawyers. These big lawyers would contact somebody in Bombay, another big lawyer in Bombay, who would then subcontract it, who would subcontract it, who subcontract it. So the guy who actually searched his record would be a very low-tech junior fellow who was qualified as a lawyer, but couldn't do much else. Like right? a clerk, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So Kapil, when he was doing his internship with his uncle, his uncle said, son, I have these five trademarks from this MNC client from overseas, right? Can you go to Bombay and do a search? Now, the way the economics would work is that, you know, MNC clients with 3,000 rupees to the big lawyer. The guy with all the subcontracting, the guy at the bottom doing it would get 150 rupees, right? So, now this is a pharma uh, company client, right? So, Kapil went to Bombay and he told me, you know, I was aghast at the conditions there. He said it was a, you know, library. He says the record is not computerized. The record is not maintained in alphabetical order of trademark. <laughs> okay. In register, right? The record is maintained in reverse chronological order of date of application in files with two pages to an application. Thankfully, every separate product category had a different set of files. So there were 6 lakh registered and pending trademarks in India across 32 product categories in 1989-90. Of these, class 5, which is pharmaceuticals, was the largest. It had 80,000 trademarks registered and applied for. Now, in order to do a search, you would have to see 1 lakh 60,000 pages for 150 rupees. So clearly, it's not a reliable process. Right? First of all, the guy would wait for 10-15 searches to accumulate. I so you, the queue builds up, right? Uh, so it takes time. Then it's manual and unreliable. So a 
Apple said, if we can somehow transcribe just the pharma record and come out and double our computer, and we can sell computer searches faster, more reliable, cheaper. And that's what we did. A couple went in there, paid the library fees, hired 10 students from elephants in college, gave them registers, said, Ye fields and he did one register per file. So he came back in a month's time with two suitcases of registers saying, this is the pharma record. We came to a data entry company. They dumped it on a computer. You know, I hammered out some code. I am not a techie, but you know, I had done one or two courses in IMA. So I looked the solved examples from the textbooks and hammered out some code. Right? And we had a trademark searching software and trademark, search, uh, trademark database ready. Once again, once again, deep customer insight. For the life of me, I would never have thought of this idea, but Kapil had seen it. He'd experienced the problem. And he knew that this is the last mile, the, the, the weakest link in the chain. So that way. So once again, deep customer insight, I'll solve problem. Now we again did the same technique. We got directly the pharma organizations, associations. We uh, send them all letters saying we can do a search in 24 hours. Plus. And we began to get orders with money in advance. Okay, And uh, we had a second successful product. Hmm, hmm. This was more like a service, right? Like, I mean, you were like per search, you would chat something. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, uh, you, are, you have a database, you're querying it, you're producing a report and taking a printout and querying it. Or something email later, internet later. Like this is 1990. Okay. And how so, much revenue did this contribute? I think uh, between the two, we were able to do Panche Lak in the second year. And both were 95% margin products. Okay. And in 92, uh, you know, I mean, that kind of money was very good, actually, if you want to run that lifestyle business. So life went on. And then in 93, couple that decided to go separate ways. Okay. We weren't agreeing on many things. So we felt it's better than we part ways. Uh, so what happened to the products that you had built? Like, did this yeah, with you? So he kept his idea. He kept his idea. I kept my idea. So he took a trademark database with him. I took the salary survey with me. I took the influence brand with me. He took the Indmark, which is a brand of the trademark search service with him. There were two companies. He kept one. I kept one. We divided the employees. And we divided the physical assets. By now, we had employees. You know, uh, um, so the employee bought me. But he would have got more uh, revenue, no? I, I imagine that trademark business would be generated. Yeah, you know, in terms of revenue, in terms of revenue, roughly the same. I mean, look, he had a more valuable asset because that database is a huge asset, right? But he owned the idea. So I said it must go. Idea was coming. I had a salary survey. I do idea made that. That's true. So so I did the salary survey for a few years. And uh, then, uh, you know, uh, what had happened was in 92, before Kaplan and I split up, the, the, the Department of Telecom had put out a big ad in the papers in both TOI and HT in Delhi saying we are launching a video text TEX service uh, where there'll be one server in one telephone exchange and there'll be 50 public access terminals all over Delhi and uh, they said we want private information providers PIPs these would be private people organizations who would own and maintain databases on the server which the public would access for a fee from these public access terminals right uh, and there'd be revenue share 50-50 you know they won't charge us money for hosting the data and they will not uh, pay us money to build a database database up now what had happened was that when I was in my last job in HMM you know I used to observe that the all my colleagues, you know, in the marketing department, all highly qualified from the IMs and, 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 the, and the premier business schools, you know, FMS, Bajaj, right, right. They would, we would all sit in an open hall. And I used to observe that when the office copy of Business India would come in, everybody would read it from the back. Because there used to be 35 to 40 pages of appointment at the back of Business India in those days. And I thought that to be very, very peculiar behavior. And I said, this is strange. I thought people did, uh, you know, read magazines for the articles. But from there, I got the insight that jobs are a high interest category of information. So this insight stayed with me. I had no idea what to do with it, you know. But this insight stayed with me. So 92, when the ad came, I said, why don't we take job information from all published sources, newspapers and magazines around the country and dump it on the server. People will pay money. Okay, and over time, we can charge people to add more jobs to the database. So you can make money two ways. So if you don't want to go to the bar, 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 you don't want to go to the bar. That was the thought. 
सो वी अप्लाइड वी गॉट सेलेक्टेड एंड वी वर्क फॉर सिक्स नाइन मंथ्स पूरे हमने स्क्रीन बना दिए थे नेविगेशन सब कुछ बनाया था हमने इट इज वन वी कॉल जॉब नेट ओके एंड आफ्टर नाइन मंथ्स वी कॉल फॉर वन मोर मीटिंग सॉरी the plan has been shelved because the budget has been cancelled but the idea was cooked yeah, in 93 there was no internet so i said yeah okay fine uh, file and forget now it had been my idea so this idea came with me when couple nine separate ways right on the same principle you keep trademarks you keep your ideas i keep my ideas you know ownership of ideas is very important in 96 na saw the net for the first time at a expo in pragati madan you know penny dropped and i said let's just put up a jobs from all over the place you know every public and put them up over here so that's what we did we used to get 29 newspapers and magazines from around the country we used to put jobs in our own format in our own words and put them on the website when you launched and sure enough traffic began to come because jobs are a high risk category in which i had that insight so so all three businesses and and zomato right have been informed by deep customer insight and that's how they succeeded without spending money on advertising so like when you launched nokri.com how big was the internet like what were the uh, like the user base in india so in the year 2000 hmm. so when we launched nokri there were 14000 internet accounts in the country probably shared account to 2 lakh log honge okay right office mein to 8 10 log share karenge and How much traffic did you get over a year? Like I don't recall, but you know, in a day we get a thousand visits, two thousand visits. That's a big deal for us. Okay, okay. Hmm. So, मतलब like one lakh plus तो आपका हो ही गया होगा. मतलब like half of internet users in India would have been visiting this. मालूम नहीं मुझे. That's all guess estimates. Uh, you know, when we raised venture capital in April 2000, there were about four million internet users in India. Okay. So, uh, how did this uh, scale up into like a uh, you know like, like the business which it is today? Like from a, a listing. तो हमने हमने वेबसाइट लॉन्च की ऑन अप्रैल वन नाइनटीन नाइनटी सेवन राइट वी वर रेडी इन द second half of march when he said yeah let's do it in new financial year you know so your accounts are for that financial year only you don't have to submit separate accounts for the 15 days so we delayed the launch and we launched april 1 now we just kept putting jobs and traffic began to come you see what you see in those days internet was a new field the internet had begun to get press coverage in india right but there were more nris on the net than there were indians in india on the net therefore every other site was targeting overseas indians but ye jo publications in india mein unki leadership hindustani thi in india so they would invariably for the benefit of the readers talk about sites that were relevant to them so we began to get a huge amount of press coverage without having a pr agency without trying right so in the first two years we had two files of press clippings two fat files of press clippings we didn't have a pr agency that's one more advantage of early mover and we saw it so hamara brand ban gaya log aane lage so we were taking jobs for free from newspapers chimane ho kiya in september i got a call we got a call and you know those days you know mobile phone bahut kam the uh, telephones ke liye 8 saal ki waiting list thi So the phone was here on my desk. We are, by now we are shifted out of seven quarter. We were now in the second floor of the house, two thousand square foot, my dad's house. And we, I would pick up the phone, and this guy says, "I'm from so and so company in Pune. I do the small size auto component company in Pune. You have taken my jobs from newspapers earlier, and I've got good response from you. Uh, I have got six jobs uh, which I have not put in newspaper. I send them to you. Will you put them up? I, my mouth is gone. Sir, it will cost you some money. We'll charge you for it. How much? I had not thought of any pricing anything. So my, again, mouth is gone. Sorry, three hundred rupees per job. And साढ़े तीन सौ रुपए बिकॉज द ट्रेडमार्क सर्च इन प्राइस साढ़े तीन सौ रुपए that number was my head when i bol diya and that became the price of a single job listing on nokri for the next 10 years 15 years this guy sent a check along with the jobs by courier and we had a revenue model so we took all the jobs for the last 6 months all the old jobs the expired jobs un sab se humne address nikale aur 3000 ka mailing list ban gaya we sent these people letters saying bhai ye nokri hai ye internet hai ye format hai 350 rupees single job listing aur 6000 rupees annual subscription unlimited listings for your company through the year and the revenue began to come in we said send money in advance once again So, so in the second half of the year, from September to March, 
we did about 2,36,000 rupees revenue. We probably lost money maybe for 5 lakh rupees for the year. But Agliya Sal, this uh, thing went to 18 lakhs on the same strategy as bailing out. Now, I had never seen anything grow 7x, even of a small base. And 18 lakhs meant it was as big as the company had ever been, which basically means that in one year, you've got a product that otherwise it took you 8-10 years to get to. And this 18 lakhs was without any feet on street sales happening? Direct mail. Okay. So, we closed all the No salary survey, no teaching, no training, no nothing. No consulting. I did done 100 odd, odd jobs to survive before that. So, uh, most yeah. of those odd jobs would have come on the back of the IMA tag? like Network, IMA tag, do you do? So, and the next year, it went to 36 lakhs. Hmm. Okay. All through direct mail. That's how the company grew. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So, in 2000, when uh, ICICI invested, uh, what kind of revenue were you at and what was the uh, reason to take the funding? Okay, so I'll tell you. Around mid-99, we had just done the 18 lakh year and I was targeting 50-60 lakhs this coming year in my head. You know, I had no plan to achieve it. I said, I said, if it's 50-60 lakh, then it's 10 lakh profit. So we were set, I thought. You know, 10 lakh profit is very decent for a good lifestyle business in 1999. Uh, and I began to get calls from people saying, we want to talk to you. We want to invest in your company. And we were completely baffled. You see, I was totally cut off from the rest of the world. We did not know that there's something called a dot-com valuation. There's some, I'd never heard of venture capital. Uh, you know, nothing. I said, you know, you run a business, you put in some capital and then you get customer money and then profit by now, business grow, you know, profit. Uh, the the mentality, basically. Yeah. I mean, right. And I was baffled. So I went for a couple of meetings and people were offering me, you know, we will pay you $2 billion. We'll invest $2 million for 25% of the company. I was like shocked. I was doing the math and in my head and then two, so I said, yeah, it's art program for a company that has just done 18 lakhs. And I was shocked, but I couldn't believe it, you know, and it sounded too good to be true. And I asked him, but you know, eight crores, what should we do with the money? I said, oh, you spend it on advertising, that will build brand and barrier 20, and then we raise twice the money at four times the valuation in six months' time. And then one year from now, we list you on NASDAQ. Okay, okay. Huh. And I never, I didn't know what NASDAQ was. I, I knew vaguely it got something to do with the stock exchange in US. I don't know what it is. I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. Right? And I'm saying, yeah, boss, we're going to be completely out of Jamuna Parme. We don't have a Okay, we're going to be able We are breaking even because I'm not taking a salary. Uh, you know, the ACs don't work. Power is not working. We don't have kind of put power back up uh, you know he's not been to my office he's just meeting with a five star to make an offer and he'll make me sign a fat complicated agreement and he wants to reach out to the board and he wants to list the company on NASDAQ and you know and I have taken 10 years to reach here of slugging and in those 10 years or you know I have, I'm not taking salary for 6 years because you know you're taking salary when the company will pay you and not taking when the company couldn't pay you and I'm saying yeah so then he said I told him boss if you spend 8 crores on advertising you know you'll never recover the money I work in advertising I know that's it. make a loss. And we are currently a profitable company. We are profitable because I was not taking a salary, but we are profitable. So he said, this is a problem with you Indians. <laughs> you want to make a profit on the internet, you have a vision problem. This kind of language I just didn't understand. So I said, I'll get back to you. And after two days, I got back saying, boss, thank you so much. We want to, I'm very happy to make a small company and make a profit. You know, make a life complicated convenient. But then in February 2000, this is mid-99, February 2000, job that I had launched with a launch ad budget that was twice our annual turnover. We were going to close at 36 lakhs. We with TV ads on India, Pakistan, cricket season in Sharjah when they launched. And that frightened us. We said, oh, oh, the game has changed. You cannot 
cannot be a 50 lakh company and make a 10 lakh rupee profit anymore. You have to be within two years, a five crore company make a 50 lakh rupee profit. Get from orbit A to orbit B, you need to invest money and be prepared to lose that money for two years. So we went back into the market. Uh, we approached four venture capitalists. By then I'd figure out venture capital kya hota hai, all that, right? Uh, I went four venture capital. We got three term sheets. It was bubble time. Charge offer dia. We went to the ICSA venture. Uh, and uh, even though it was not the highest valuation, they were lower. We just felt more comfortable. We said, you know, because they were saying we know businesses take time to build in India. We don't want you to list in NASDAQ in a year, two years. We don't have those kind of expectations. And we felt comfortable with that. And that's how we raised venture capital. We got really lucky. So, how did your uh, approach change after that? Like, in terms of what your plan We took an office at 10 rupees a square foot in the back lanes of Noida, among rubber and chemical factories uh, with open drains, which would flood in the monsoon. But we spent one fourth of our venture capital raise on the interiors. We said, mm-hmm. it looks like an MNC office. So employees are important. They must be comfortable once a year. But why give the landlord the money? So we hired people, we hired sales teams, we hired, you know, and so first year after raising venture capital, we lost two and a half crores. Second year, we lost 1.14 crores. Third year, we broke it. Change of strategy was that you spent on sales. Like earlier, you were just doing... No, no, we spent on sales and we spent on tech and product. We did not spend on advertising. So we hired a sales team. So which brings me to my next point. You see, Today, what I say is that for any startup to scale, it needs to find its repeatable, profitable unit. So what do you mean by that? Repeatable, profitable unit? So I'll tell you. So one day, sales was not moving. Okay, you know, six months after taking the money. It was not moving. No matter how much how much you mailed out, you would not get more sales than three lakhs a month. Hmm. And this was through the mail order kind of a model? Direct mail, direct mail, yeah. Okay. So Hitesh had joined me then. Hitesh uh, joined in Feb 2000, uh, just before we raised venture capital. Uh, but we didn't talk about six months before that. So it's now one month February. So... Hitesh came to me and said, listen, uh, why don't we hire some salespeople and send them to make sales calls and see what happens. So when I said, sure, he went and hired four salespeople in Delhi. And we discovered within three to four months, five months, six months. So a fully loaded cost of a salesperson, tankha, conveyance, incentive, mobile phone bill reimbursement, uh, you know, depreciation on computer, hot desking, office rent, air conditioning, uh, depreciation on furniture, you know, and so on. So we got by month. Right now, we discovered that the average salesperson in six months was generating 50,000 rupees revenue. Headed north. Our variable cost It basically means that each sales guy, each salesperson, was making a 28,000 rupee profit for us, and this profit was increasing month on month because you're selling more and more every month. You're getting more productive. We were also launching more products, which are more expensive, so you could get a higher, uh, a bigger check from the client. Okay, like the hard jobs and uh, premium That's right. vacancies. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we said this is great. We should simply expand by hiring more and more salespeople. And within two years, we had 240 salespeople in 11 offices around the country. And we had scaled 35x in three years, in two and a half years, in terms of revenue. And we were now doing 10 crores and making a 9.4, 10 crores and making an 80 lakh profit. So building the sales team was largely... So, so, so uh, uh, the salesperson for us was the repeatable profit. 
प्रॉफिटेबल यूनिट सो हर एक कंपनी को अपना रिपीटेबल प्रॉफिटेबल यूनिट ढूंढना पड़ेगा अगर स्किल होना कैन यू गिव मी अदर एग्जांपल्स ऑफ अदर कंपनीज व्हाट कुड बी लाइक अ रिपीटेबल प्रॉफिटेबल यूनिट नहीं इट कुड बी अ हैमबर्गर इट कुड बी अ यू नो वन रेस्टोरेंट आउटलेट और यू नो ईच रेस्टोरेंट आउटलेट इज अ यू नो प्रॉफिटेबल देन यू कैन जस्ट रिपीट दैट इट कुड बी यू नो यू नो व्हाटएवर आई मीन हर एक कंपनी अलग होगा समाटो के लिए हर डिलीवरी होगी यू मेक अ प्रॉफिटेबल डिलीवरी रिपीटेड सो यू डिस्कवर्ड द रिपीटेबल प्रॉफिटेबल यूनिट एज द सेल्स वी डिडंट कॉल इट दैट दैट टाइम वी सिंपली सेड कॉमन सेंस या सेल का बंदा प्रॉफिट सेल्स का बंदा प्रॉफिट बना रहा है अपने खर्चे पे और प्रोपोजल गाइस एंड दैट्स हाउ यू रिकवर योर ओवरहेड्स यू आपका मार्जिन बचा जाएगा सो यू नो डू यू हैव सम लेसंस ऑन बिल्डिंग अ सेल्स ऑर्गेनाइजेशन और बिल्डिंग अ लार्ज सेल्स ऑपरेशंस आई मीन आई थिंक यू नो द ट्रूथ इज दैट एफर्ट वाज लेड बाय हितेश मोर देन मी बट यस आई मीन आई वाज देयर सो आई आई हैव सम इनसाइट्स बट वो वी हायर्ड सम रियली गुड पीपल हु वुड रिपोर्ट टू हितेश ब्रांच मैनेजर्स रीजन मैनेजर्स वी फिगर्ड वी वाज सोर्स देम फ्रॉम बी2b सेल्स कंपनीज दैट आर नोन फॉर गुड प्रैक्टिस जीरोक्स वन ऑफ देम सो टू ऑफ आवर रीजन मैनेजर्स केम टू जीरोक्स यू नो and then we said okay replicate your training your field processes you know we had sales incentives scheme design we had you know all those things but dekho but fundamentally as a founder and entrepreneur apart from hiring right sales people you have to be willing to lead from the front okay which means aap sales call ke liye jaoge aur sales wale sales person ke sath okay uh, so i remember 911 happened in october of that year hitesh did 80 plus sales calls himself with the local sales teams he was traveling all over the country and i did 60 plus sales calls myself traveling all over the country because that's how sales people will a observe you and learn to sell you will be your best sales person because you know the product and you you're passionate about it uh, you know sales people will believe they're important to the company because you're doing the same job yourself so you know that's how you scale so you uh, started doing uh, like diversification pretty early on uh, i can see on your website like quadrangle was uh, like the first acquisition you did quadrangle was a company we acquired in the, in the year 2000 because we see at that stage we didn't know what would grow what would not grow how much it grow you know meltdown aa gaya tha we only formally intend users we did not know what would scale so it was one of those things we said maybe this is scale what was quadrangle it was executive it was a uh, executive recruitment firm okay hmm. okay but uh, obviously the the knockery business was like a much bigger business yeah. than the search it ended up being market okay uh, what is quadrangle still r- running like is, does it still contribute running it's okay. still running and it's uh, breaking even and there are people working there and it's fine and then you started jeevan sathi in 04 no we started jeevan sathi in 98 98 oh. okay so 98 may so we said we've done jobs let's do one more classified category and not jeevan sathi the completely free site and we spent no time on it just floated it so you could register free search free contact free support free tha fully open site thi now when we raised venture capital or icsa venture they told us yaar ye what is jeevan sathi isko band karo we we investment nokri we want all your efforts behind nokri so we said okay so one of the other conditions in the in the agreement was that you will change your auditors we want one of the big five step five was it right uh, so we went to our old auditors they were two brothers you know one year senior me and three years senior me from school i knew them good guys would do a good job of audits and i went there to tell them ki guys uh, you know i'm really sorry but we have to let go of you and shift our audit because icsa venture insisting so unhone bola yaar hum bhi soch rahe hain ki hum ca practice band kare aur dot com chalu kar de acha okay us time bubble tha boom tha to humne bola very good aap jeevan sathi le lo humse so we told them ki boss hum 45 percent rakhenge aap baki rakh lo free of cost right but mehnat lagao so we, you know if you make a profit you take a salary hamara 45 percent hoga is company mein so ye the jeevan sathi on the promise that they would work hard and not uh, ask for more money uh, so they worked hard for four years and uh, wasn't going anywhere 
तीन चार लाख मैंने खरीदी रेवेन्यू put ourselves in a different strategic space you know that we will always have access to capital stock or currency uh, and we'll uh, be truly independent okay and uh, post ipo again you did a lot of uh, uh, like uh, vc bets uh, in a way in a lot of companies so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. what was the, uh, the the rationale behind the bets you took how did you decide which company so we had this bunch of money we raised we had this bunch of money we raised and one of the reasons we said we're raising it is to make acquisitions but when we went out to look for acquisitions we found there's nothing worthwhile available at a reasonable price okay so we said okay next best thing is to invest behind other startups which is why we did and that has actually panned out fairly well so what were your learnings from uh, being a vc like you know what were the good bets and the bad bets they dekho i think uh, we you know we 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 see a thousand startups to invest in maybe five or six right so abhi tak humne 5 10 startups dekh liye honge for the last decade right uh, you learn a lot yeah about business models people entrepreneurs what works what doesn't work what could work and so on so i think we've learned a lot i think we learned what works what scales what makes profit what doesn't make profit we learned the importance of natural traction we learned the importance of being market leaders we learned the importance of you know being a winner in a winner in a tackle market what's the network effect we learned a lot thodi bahut logo ki pehchan ho gayi hai okay so do you uh, invest in like the angel uh, level also or like you know at, at what personally thing? no listen i i don't invest in tech companies personally because the company does that i don't want to conflict of interest so the company does we, we do we, we do from very early to series a okay very early meaning post revenue or you do pre revenue also we have done so policy bazaar was a powerpoint when we invested and uh, you know like if you could elaborate a bit on the the models that you've made like you know what are the things that uh, are like strong check boxes for you to make an investment i think i think we look for signs of natural traction if it's already launched the product is it getting traffic downloads without having to advertise what the word of mouth good uh, is it solving unsolved problem what's the competitive landscape like is there some ip can they build a moat you know what's the defensibility if not now can it be done going forward how good is the team ye kar lenge nahi kar lenge it's one thing to have a couple of founders who are running a team of 8 10 people but when when this company scales up it might have 5000 people are there sort of people who can run teams of 5000 can they build trust across the table uh, will people want to work with them some of the judgment calls some of the take on faith so did you, know. you see these trends in dipinder when you invested see dipinder look it's very hard to say ki ye aadmi 10000 log company chala lega when he's 28 years old right right uh, but he looked okay on that front to me nothing nothing negative there but you can't positively say that right what what i did see was natural traction i did see product clarity i did see you know a huge desire to you know stay on for a long long haul okay and i saw a great product and huge customer insight and uh, what did you see in policy bazaar when you invested when it was just a ppt again good team uh, and very powerful value prop he came to me and he said that i'm willing to bet you're spending 60% more for your car insurance than you need to okay. 
and i said don't be silly you know in my head insurance is a commodity yaar sab publisher ka company hai why will they go charge yeah, right right uh, and he said pull out pull out your insurance so i pulled out my car insurance and he got me some 12 alternate quotes and sure enough uh, you know the lowest quote was 40% lower than what i was paying he said there's so much variability in pricing the same policy across companies that you can't imagine the customer does not know moment you tell the customer it's a huge revelation and i said this will work okay and uh, what about uh, merit nation like so merit nation again good team i had known them from earlier uh, good competency in uh, education content and education right uh, initially they showed great promise but over time they were overtaken by others i think you know in in sales execution there was a bit of a lacuna but good people otherwise and uh, you i recently did a interview with tanutejas of shop kirana whom you also invested in so what did you see there superb team solving unsolved problem great traction uh, counter intuitive you know people say that e-commerce will take over and big retail will take over but here was a guy making it happen for the small kirana store in a manner that it works for the kirana store and works for them so new age distribution and i liked it okay so uh, my last question to you uh, what advice do you have for uh, founders who are seeking to get invested by infoedge or by you um, i mean talk to us but you know chief do mai bolta hu logo ko ki number one the customer money is better than the investors you agar customer ke paas aa raha hai aur repeatedly aa raha hai and it is coming at a price that's higher than it costs you to deliver that product or service then chances are you have viable business so long as you can get enough customers giving you enough orders right and agar customer ke paas aa gaya to investor ke paas zarur aayega so the investors love to invest behind business getting customer money hmm, right lekin agar investor ke paas aa gaya pehle there is no guarantee that the customer money cuz is the customer is not your uncle your aunt yeah, or your mother father he is not doing any favors he is buying you because it works for him and you any certainly buying a second time only if it works for but from the first time right but very often you know investor ka paisa lane mein it's about making good powerpoint and impressing two young mbas across the table it's not the same thing so agar focus on customer other investors second thing i say is that it's a great idea to raise money when the investor comes to you rather than you going to the investor but that is when you get your terms of trade and the valuation that terms you want so focus on the customer focus on you know uh, somehow making a few things happen with the resources you already have and when you have arrived at some place that's when you are there uh, sectors that you are bullish on markets or sectors we don't do it top down we don't do it top down we do it bottom up okay uh, we meet companies hmm. we go out and look at companies and if something looks interesting then we do it okay and that becomes then a company of interest other sector of interest hmm. okay do you think uh, there will be a company that will disrupt nokri in the years to come you know like yeah god knows i mean they might well be but uh, it's our job to ensure it doesn't happen hmm. Yeah. what do you think that could be like if there was a company to disrupt in the we have no we no we we can't think of anything hmm. but if we can think of it when we obviously take action against it or do the same thing ourselves uh-huh. okay okay and what was the logic behind the im jobs acquisition they built a good brand a good niche uh, they you know in a certain segment uh, you know and uh, we felt there was value there and which uh, you know our tech sales team uh, could actually leverage that value and, and make it a lot bigger and very good founder very good founder he still he still with the company Wow, those were some amazing insights about building a unicorn. We hope that you are also able to identify the customer problems on which to build your business and are able to scale it up by finding your repeatable profitable unit.
like the Founder Thesis podcast, then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing, technology, career advice, books, and drama. Visit thepodium.in. That is t h e p o d i u m dot i n for a complete list of all our shows. This was an HD Smartcast original. HD Smartcast. Log on to hdsmartcast dot com to listen to more such podcasts.